1: This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. Connor, we've got some classic legal topics to talk about today. Exciting. Affirmative action, mm-hmm. the Miranda rule, mm-hmm. your right to a, to a lawyer. Uh, specifically, we're going to get into whether lawyers are dogs. Sometimes. Sounds a little cryptic. Sure. But it, it's very important. Any insult we can love you against lawyers, I'm on board <laughs> for. That's right. Well, the title of the podcast, Too Many Lawyers, yeah. is sort of inherently absolutely, insult, don't you think? Mm-hmm. So we're going to get into uh, the Miranda rights. We're going to get into uh, whether colleges should be advertising. When they want to hire faculty members, should they be asking for only... Uh, Female or non binary faculty members or transgender faculty members. Now, this is up in Waterloo, University of Waterloo, up in Canada, but it, commie Canada, uh, as it, we call it, yeah, it making wild decisions. <laughs> pertains to America yeah, we'll get as well. And the Supreme Court here in the U.S., of course, is about to issue a big affirmative action decision involving the Harvard College's uh, admissions plan. And finally, we're going to talk about a topic that's just uh, very controversial should 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 uh, Joe Biden be banning menthol cigarettes? But before we get to uh, the three big topics, a little preview of our two special features at the end of the podcast... Uh, First guess the verdict america 's favorite game show uh, today connor i 'm going to be uh, confronting you with uh facts of a case we call it Otis of mayberry goes wild hmm. you 're going to be asked to guess who wins this big legal battle see if your uh, batting average stays very high and finally, in our uh, new feature stories i'd tell my friends if I had any to clarify, I have several stories i 'm going to tell the tale of uh, Effley Bailey and the magic stopwatch. So that's at the end of the podcast. You got to stick around for that. So before we get to the topic about Miranda, a couple of things about the week's news, uh, vice president Harris has COVID. So we wish her well, apparently she's pretty much se- symptom free. Some people are saying, Oh, why'd she get the fancy, uh, monoclonal antibody things? Right. That, uh, only elite people. Well, she's the vice president of the United States. Right. So, I mean, yeah. like, Trump got the same thing, right? Sure, of course. But also Trump was very sick.
2: I I have no problem, obviously, with her getting any of these treatments. Obviously, she you know should get any treatment she needs, and yeah, go overboard to protect a certain person. It's not like there's a shortage of monoclonal antibodies at the po- at the moment. Frankly, there's a shortage of availability about how to get them, um, and that's an issue. But it's not a yeah an actual yeah. shortage in milliliters of stuff.
1: There's a little sidebar story, and if you heard about it when the story broke that uh, Harris has COVID, apparently Nancy Pelosi has has urged Biden to go visit Harris and support her, maybe with a hug, maybe a glass of champagne to toast, build back better. Uh, chances mm. I, I don't know does that does that sound inappropriate to you connor since yeah. nancy pelosi is next in line to be president of the united states she might be pulling some
2: strings yeah. in the background yeah the uh, apparently joe biden uh, had promised harris uh, a, a lunch every week um uh, while presidency it's, and it's happened twice it happened twice in 2022 so you know mm. i mean he's a busy guy i mean things change you know but uh no
1: Yeah, Two out of uh, 25 or 30. This is the
2: tragic reality of being vice president is you don't really have a job description. You kind (laughs) of hang out and uh, hope to break ties in the Senate.
1: But uh, besides that, nothing really happens. So uh, speaking of Biden, he uh, placed a call to congratulate uh, the winner in France, uh, Macron. He beat the the right wing lady, Le Le
2: Le Pen. Marine Le Pen.
1: Yeah. And apparently it was a little embarrassing. According to the reports, Biden's call went unanswered. Uh, by Macron on election night. Macron was at the Eiffel Tower, you know, partying like it's 1999. Well, he's a busy guy. Well, in Macron's defense, apparently he checked his watch and he figured it was past Biden's bedtime because <laughs> it was 8 p.m. Washington time. But this is just what I'm getting off of the wire I wish we could all uh, go
2: to bed at 8 p.m. If we all went to bed at 8 p.m., the world would be a better place.
1: And finally, uh, Musk, Elon Musk buying Twitter. I, I bet you've got some strong opinions about. Oh that. yeah, the libs are going nuts. But I don't know. Isn't a little diversity of thought in the tech world okay, Connor? I want to lay some numbers on you, and Go you ahead. tell you tell me if you think perhaps this supports the idea that yeah, let's let's get somebody like Elon Musk here. So, um, if you're wondering whether the tech companies are just generally kind of left of center. Uh, They did a survey um, uh, of all the uh, 2020 donations to all federal candidates. The Center for Responsive Politics uh, put this on their Open Secrets website. And here's what they found. Uh, Netflix. Now, um, Netflix employees uh, donated to Democrats 98.3 percent of the time. They gave it to Republicans 1.7% right, of the time. Right, so right, that's right. Netflix, but they're losing money. So what do they know? Yeah, exactly. Now we go to Twitter itself. 98.05% uh, donate to Democrats. Republicans got a whopping 1.95% of Twitter employees donating money. Two more. Uh, first is Meta, uh, formerly known as uh, the artist's name is Facebook. Um, a little more reasonable. Only 92.2% go to the Democrats. 7.8% went to Republicans. Mm-hmm. And now, finally, Alphabet, which is Google. 94.7% of their employees, when they donated, gave. Yeah. Democrats. Five, I mean, isn't this astoundingly, overwhelmingly left of center? So shouldn't we welcome I, Elon Musk uh, perhaps like having
2: a little, as I say, diversity of thought? A little bit of apartheid emerald mine money from South Africa coming in to, to offer the conservative perspective? I don't think so. I, I would say that maybe, maybe, uh, if you're looking at industries that skew towards the highest performing uh, smartest, uh, you know, people who go into tech to make all this uh, big bucks, according to your, you know, the capitalist idea of you make the most money there. Uh, that. Uh Maybe it's just that Republican candidates that they put up are garbage, and that that smart people are donating to Democrats. I mean, you could draw any number of conclusions you want from this, if you want. But I mean, you look over at the petroleum companies and say hmm. how many of their employees, you know, uh, at, at Exxon, uh, donate to Republicans. Shocker! It's going to be a massive number to support, you know.
1: I don't know. I mean, corporations energy. are pretty, uh, pretty woke these days. I mean, you've seen what's happened with United Airlines and Coca Cola. You know, get the Major League Baseball, um, All Star Game out of uh, evil Georgia and send it to to non evil Denver. Um, yeah. Okay. So so they make Disney is ha- outright war with uh, Desantis and the, and the don't uh, say gay thing. Yep. Uh, I was in McDonald's the other day, Connor, and there's a big sign saying, "You know, we're so happy that you're here, and we want to let you know, California, we support your progressive principles here in California." I'm thinking, beautiful. Do do I really want Burger King to tell me? Well, I'm a just a little left of center, uh, you know, right. moderate Democrat. Yeah. Well, since when do whoppers have to have you know political parties? Well, Progressive I mean, Principles by Ray Kroc? Yeah. When
2: you've got Chick fil A and in and out putting Bible verses on their, their food packaging and yeah. supporting anti-gay legislation. I do want all the brands that I engage with to step to up stand, and yeah, declare to say I'm progressive. I will support you know XYZ. But guess what? Burger King's just lying to you. Like, it's, it's not real. At, at least the conservatives, the ones who are anti-gay or whatever, at least they're telling you, yeah, we support anti-gay causes and we, you know, we put this uh, out there on our sleeves. And if you don't like, uh, uh, if, you, if, you, if you like traditional notions of marriage, then come to Chick-fil-A and we're closed on Sunday. At least they're open and honest about it. Whereas Burger King will tell you, put up a banner that says, oh, yeah, we're progressive. We support your progressive politics. And then. They don't pay their employees a living wage, and they shove all of the expense of actually hiring and paying for employees and health care and all the other important pieces of you know what should be uh, a, have, holding down a stable job, what you should earn from holding down a job. They shove that onto the government by having all their employees be on Medicare, well, when you Medi-Cal. say they don't pay
1: a living wage, I mean, there are minimum wage laws that they have to abide by. Right, but they could pay more
2: than that, which would actually be a living wage, because the minimum wage is nowhere near a living wage, and people who are on the minimum wage are very often yeah. on government programs program
1: but if the market system would produce a wage that's even lower than the minimum wage which is true in many cases especially now that it's going up and up i mean why why would you ask the company to pay not only more than the market w- rate by paying the minimum wage but also something higher some sort of subjective living wage for you know a decent uh, i wouldn't life?
2: Ask, i wouldn't ask a, a company to do that because a company is designed to extract value from labor and hand it to shareholders. That is literally the point of a company. And if you ask the board of directors what is your job, they will say if they're honest with you, extract value from labor. But really, they say, oh, just extract value from, from the universe. It doesn't come from anywhere. Don't worry about where it comes from. Shut up! Shut up! Get out! But <laughs> it, it, they extract value, and they create it, and they hand it to the shareholders. That's the point. But that shouldn't be the point of a, a corporate structure. We shouldn't have that be the primary goal uh, uh, of our society. And We should
1: change the the laws in our society why should why shouldn't it be the primary goal if that's what corporations want to do and and if in fact that works out because you know a rising tide lifts all right, boats. Right, but it
2: doesn't that's my point is that it doesn't trickle down it doesn't re- uh, lift all boats you end up with people getting horrifically underpaid because the the vagaries of the market go up and down and the the, the when what, i the eat wage. a whopper
1: it trickles down connor your face saying, saying yeah absolutely
2: yeah. i mean this it's it's a question of, of are, are you willing to have the market system sometimes uh pay people away wage that is not enough to pay rising rent, rising food, inflation, all these things going up if inflation is rising higher than wages and people are forced to work incredibly low-wage, bottom-tier jobs
1: in order to not die in the street or to you know, to put clothes on their kids' backs. Well, sure. If, based on compassion, we want to give people more, well, right. why don't we just give it to them in welfare? Why should we force these poor Boom. companies Absolutely. Uh, to pay more than a minimum wage or a minimum wage? Right. Universal basic income. pay the market income. system and give folks checks if, if it's not enough. Universal basic income.
2: We're on the same page. We, we solved go. it. We solved
1: it. Oh, only not in Palm Springs, just to transgender people. Didn't, uh, didn't sure we uh, deal with that issue last well, week? Well, we talked about it, that's yeah. for sure. We, well, that's dealing <laughs> deal with, with it, it in a way. Why it, yeah. not? So when we come back, we're going to talk about whether lawyers are dogs and how that feeds into the big Miranda decision uh, out of the U.S. Supreme Court from the 1960s. But first, Connor is going to tell you how to rate and subscribe to Too Many Lawyers.
2: Yeah, check us out on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on right now. And make sure that you're uh, like, comment, subscribe, etc. Uh, to that one join if it's on apple podcast that means subscribe Uh, but if you would like to check us out on any other platform download a podcast there maybe we sound a little bit better and different on stitcher or spotify instead (laughs) of on apple podcast and you know leave us a review and and a comment we love them uh, and it would help us out so
1: thanks we'll be right back this is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So, Connor, you uh, brought this case to, to my attention. I didn't hear about it, but it's a really interesting yeah. one. It's a, it's about the, the word dog. dog. So the background is, everybody knows about the big Miranda decision out of the uh, Earl Warren uh, U.S. Supreme Miranda Court. Miranda versus Arizona. Yeah, back in the 1960s. The idea is, if you are a criminal defendant and the cops bring you in and give you a cup of coffee and a donut and say hey come on you know tell us about what's going on here and help me help you yeah and if you want to say to the cops "Mm, i'd really like to see a lawyer uh, you are entitled to a lawyer and so uh, everybody yeah, has to be told, invoking
2: your right yeah, to counsel
1: that's right so the question has arisen in a bunch of cases over the years well you know, exactly when is somebody invoking a right to counsel or not and apparently this guy Warren demesme uh 22 a few years ago he was interrogated by the New, or- New Orleans cops after two young girls claimed he had uh, sexually assaulted them and uh, tell uh, tell everybody how it went in terms of uh, his his invocation yeah. of his right to counsel. Yeah.
2: So uh, the way Miranda works is it's kind of a magic words, kind of a situation. Uh, if you have invoked your right to counsel, the cops have to, have to stop their interrogation until your lawyer gets there. Well, we seen it on TV a lot. Right. Law and order. Absolutely. And sometimes they'll they'll step out. The, the actors will step out of the interrogation room and say, oh, he asked for his lawyer. So now we got to wait till his lawyer is here. And they're all frustrated. And the cops
1: yeah. are punching the lockers and they're saying, how can this murderer get away with it? And then all they go back is- in and try to gently. tell talk- yeah. Are you sure? Yes, yeah, you can do it. Exactly. But are you sure you don't want to talk and to Bert here? That hair? is the problem. And there's yeah. a
2: line of cases after after Miranda about what does it mean to invoke your right to counsel? What if the suspect in, in the uh, in the interrogation room says something like, don't I get a lawyer? Well, mm-hmm. I don't know. You've asked a question. Is that invoking your right yeah, to counsel? Good so case, these cases have gone in front of judges, and lots of judges mostly have said, "I don't give a crap about it. Uh, criminals' rights. Who cares? It doesn't matter what they say." And that is this is like the ultimate in the end of that line of cases. But there are some cases that say things like you saying, "I uh, I want a lawyer" or "Don't I get a lawyer?" or something like that, something vague. Sometimes every once in a while, a judge says, "Yeah, they're they're clearly asking for a lawyer. They're just not saying some magic phrase." So right? let
1: me let me me quote what uh, this fellow said to the cops and then you can comment on it he said quote this is how i feel if you all think i did it i know i didn't do it so why don't you just give me a lawyer dog because this is not what's up so, why don't you just give me a lawyer dog? Why not? Because this you just is not what's up. Dog. So, so, that goes what, in front of me. Uh,
2: so, what happens is the, the, the cops don't treat that as an invocation of his right to an attorney. Instead, they continue interrogating him and they press him and they press him and they press him. And, press him, and eventually, he's convicted of a crime of some sort. Who knows what? Doesn't matter. He, on appeal, his uh, they go in front of these judges and, and they say, excuse me, look at the transcript of the interrogation. He clearly said, just give me a lawyer, dog, and... The the cops kept asking him questions in violation of his right, his Miranda rights. He should they should have said that's an invocation of his rights. And so the judge now has to decide, is that invoking his right to counsel? And when he said, was it a clear and obvious uh, invo- invocation of his right to counsel saying, give me a lawyer to say, just give me a lawyer dog. And guess what? This
1: genius <laughs> judge said, I don't know, long
2: term <laughs> listeners of the pot remember more on the month. How about more of the year here? The judge said this wasn't clear and obvious because it's possible he was asking for a, quote, lawyer dog. <laughs>
1: you <laughs> a dog who's yeah. also a lawyer yeah. it's possible he was asking for a lawyer dog so I guess uh, in the colloquial uh, use of the word uh, dog is just sort of a friendly you know if you're hanging with yeah. your pal dude. hey like let's dude. go to the ball game yeah. dog yeah, it's like. so the, yeah. this guy was apparently saying just give me a lawyer dog dog. Okay. Comma. dog so here's the here's the line from the actually it wasn't just one judge it was the justices oh of the Louisiana Supreme Court of course it was what they said was that if a suspect makes a reference to an attorney that is ambiguous or equivocal the cessation of questioning is not required so from the the passion you exhibited a minute ago i believe that you're on the side of saying that was unambiguous well, what he that, said look, if they lawyer thought, dog he just meant lawyer period if full they, stop exclamation point comma by the way pal i'm calling you dog because i like you
2: if they thought it if the cops thought, maybe he's asking me to get him a lawyer who is also a dog, then they should have gone out and gotten him a freaking lawyer who is also a dog. And they should have stopped questioning until that lawyer who's also wearing a suit and is a dog was in the room.
1: Well, you remember McGruff the crime dog? Absolutely. McGruff I think he would be on the other side. Yeah, he's though. the prosecutor. He'd be with the prosecutor. He,
2: he, he inter- he's, he's rough with the
1: interrogations, I gotta say. My goodness. Well, you know, the Supreme Court is also looking at the Miranda issue in, in kind of an unusual way. So, um, it, it's controversial, uh, Miranda. is so well established in our uh, legal lexicon that, that you could say it's not really controversial, but a lot of people still say, look, I don't like the idea of letting a crook go free. Yeah, what's wrong with cops interrogating? If he's people? if he's guilty, if yeah. the lawyer, if, excuse me, if the cop fails to give a guy his his right to counsel, mm-hmm. uh, and he doesn't get his right to counsel, and then later on he is convicted uh, because there's a, a confession that came in, some people say, why don't you? punish the cops yeah charge them with a crime put right. them in prison deter them from doing this but just because they didn't cross their right. t's and dot their i's do we really want guilty people walking free dancing a jig on the courthouse steps you yeah, know yeah, yeah. yeah. i killed 18 people and he forgot to ask me if i wanted a right. lawyer and therefore i get to right. go free yeah. so it's controversial in that sense yeah but i mean is really the, even this very conservative supreme court is not about to put into the dumpster, at the Miranda die. Yeah. So the, the, the idea that, that, that we have, um,
2: in American law is, uh, actually kind of, a a, a, a pretty good one, frankly, it, but, puts the interests of the uh, accused person first and says, if there's a problem uh, with uh, the the procedure, the criminal procedure that leads to a conviction, then the person walks. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's good in one sense because it puts uh, at the top of the list of importance the person's freedom, the individual accused person's freedom. It's also good uh, because it doesn't rely on the cops policing themselves or the system policing themselves and saying, okay, well, the conviction sticks. But don't worry, Bill shouldn't have done that during the interrogation. But darn it, if we aren't going to suspend Bill for two weeks without pay. Oh, boy. Oh, sorry. I just say without pay. I meant the police union assures that it's with pay. OK, it's two weeks <laughs> vacation. He gets two weeks vacation and will pay his flight to Aruba. But that's my last offer. OK, right. so th- we, we don't rely on them policing themselves, which is good. Um, the, the other thing is that really, if you think about it. There's nothing that the cops are going to pay attention to other than if you screw this up, this guy's going to walk. They will do anything to get that confession and they will do anything to get a false confession. Cops the world over and the country over have been shown to be extremely good at extracting false confessions from innocent people, which is why we have rules about how they should be interrogated. Most of the time, those rules aren't followed. They're mostly ignored. And because interrogations are often not recorded uh, and uh, the you know bad notes are taken and the video is lost or destroyed shocker um, people's rights are violated all day every day all over the country and it's very very important that these you know these rights be protected and that these interrogations be filmed and that the interrogations whenever possible just don't happen because cops frequently extract false confessions from innocent people because they put them in horrifically difficult situations there are tons of false Famous law school cases, cases that every, you know, law student in America uh, learns in in, uh, in law school about these criminal procedure interrogations. Some of them are, are extremely grim. The, there are cops uh, who, first of all, are allowed to lie to you. That's of a, a, a primary importance. Cops can lie to you about the facts of the case. They can lie to you about the testimony of other witnesses. They can lie to you about the evidence that they have. They can lie to you about anything. They can tell you, I've got 10 witnesses that put you at the scene. They can tell you if you don't confess, those 10 witnesses will put you in jail for 150 years. And if you confess, I will work for you and I will make sure that you get a a shorter sentence. They can tell you, uh, you know, I've got your DNA at the scene when they don't. They can tell you I've got your gun at the scene when they don't. They can lie to you about anything and they should not be allowed to lie to you. And the vast majority of places in the world, they're not allowed to lie to you. Canada, for example. Cops aren't allowed to lie to you in, in interrogations for a good reason. There's no reason to allow them to lie to you. So, they use these lies and these high pressure tactics. They'll keep you in that room for seventy two hours straight. They'll put you they, no no food, maybe you know a glass of water every thirty six hours, so you don't actually die until you are literally begging to be able to go home. About waterboarding, we'll is that is, that is that legal?
1: <laughs> Thankfully,
2: I don't think so. Waterboarding is so legal. But run, you'll do anything to get out of that room.
1: I probably would too. Let me run uh, facts of a new case by you mm-hmm. and see what you say. Uh, this is called uh, People versus Tico T E K O H. Mm-hmm. It was uh, heard before the U.S. Supreme Court. On April 20, just uh, very recently, uh, involves an L.A. County, USC uh, Medical Center nursing assistant. She was charged with sexual assault of a patient Mm. and she was found not guilty. So she turns around and sues the deputy for not reading her. Her Miranda rights. Oh. The deputy's lawyer argued. So this argued,
2: is a civil lawsuit about money.
1: Exactly. Her, the deputy's lawyer argued she has no right to sue under the Civil Rights Act. He mm. says, yes, yeah. M- Miranda, of course, excludes confessions from criminal cases if there's no right to attorney warning. But Supreme Court has never said it was Unconstitutional. ...to omit the warning, and thus because the Civil Rights Act only lets victims sue if the government does something illegal or unconstitutional. Therefore, there's no right to sue just because the cop did something that made the confession inadmissible. Not a problem. She got off on that. Now, apparently from the oral argument, Gorsuch might be with the liberals. He asked... During questioning, hey, won't a ruling for the deputy stop civil suits where cops beat up people? And the answer by the deputy's lawyer was no, no, beating victims may still sue. But the Miranda suit relates not to something the cop did fail to give a warning it relates to an evidentiary exclusion issue pertaining to the criminal case so the victim may argue against a conviction or appeal a conviction bottom line is i mean even a conservative court as i say they're not going to dump miranda uh you got any prediction as to how the supreme court uh, might come out on uh, this one the tico case
2: this is the tough one i mean it actually might you know my intuition is that uh is that most of the time a conservative supreme court is going to side against a criminal defendant uh but in this case case he's not actually acting as the criminal defendant he's the plaintiff in the civil lawsuit Uh, but there's the plaintiff in the civil lawsuit the vast majority of the time conservative courts especially the Supreme court have sided with the officers and said yeah you can't uh you can't sue this officer for this now um that the The most common vein of that is something we've talked about on the pod before called qualified immunity, where conservatives have uh, conservative justices have created this completely bonkers, wild, wacko, insane notion uh, that you can't sue the cops for doing something to you, uh, even if it was bad or wrong or illegal. If the cops didn't have an exactly analogous scenario, like in the history and in their training and previous lawsuits, where they you can point to and say, look, they already knew that it was illegal to do that. So if the cop arrests you while spinning you around left-handed uh, uh, you know, on a Tuesday, the cop gets to say, well, yeah, it was a false bad arrest, but I was spinning around left-handed uh, on a Tuesday, and we haven't done exactly that in the past, and therefore I get immunity. Uh, and you only get immunity if I did the exact same thing wrong as in a previous case where the court has held uh, X, Y. This is not exactly that kind of case. And because it's not exactly that kind of case and they don't have that get out of jail free card. Yeah, maybe, maybe this judge, I mean, this nurse is going to be vindicated in this civil lawsuit. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not going to I'm not going to, you know, put my any eggs in that basket. I'm not going to bet on a conservative
1: Supreme Court vindicating the rights of a criminal defendant anytime soon. But maybe, maybe we'll know by late June, because that's when they go on vacation. When we come back, men need not apply for a college faculty position up in Canada. Stick with us.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Archaea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
1: I'm Chris
2: Hahn, the aggressive progressive. Check out a new episode of the aggressive progressive podcast every Tuesday. You know, the election is heating up just as the year is winding down. Stick with me.
1: This is too many lawyers. I'm Roy Lopes, and I'm Connor Oakes. So, affirmative action's a hot topic here in the U.S. Of course, Connor, Supreme Court is going to decide by June if Harvard's admissions policy is legal. They recognize race as a factor uh, there at Harvard to a degree greater than uh, many feel is legal. Twenty years ago, Sandra Day O'Connor on the Supreme Court said, "You know, I'm, I'm I'm voting in the majority here to uphold affirmative action, but I think in 20 years race should not be a factor at all." Well, it's been 20 years; it's still a factor. It's 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 going to be decided, uh, who knows, in how dramatic a fashion uh, by Supreme Court in June. But now we want to go up north because this is an issue in Canada. Um, Pretend, Connor, you're the, the public affairs director for Canada's University of Waterloo. Um, the uh, president of the college says, "Hey, uh, I'm going moose hunting. Uh, y- you better have a a plan in place for uh, for hiring new faculty members by the time I get back with with Bullwinkle on the hood of my pickup." Right. So this is what happened next. The University of Waterloo announced the car runs on maple syrup in that scenario. <laughs> right. Okay. Good. Good. I'm glad they they're trying to hire a uh, a professor and they want uh, individuals who self-identify as women, transgender, non-binary. Or two-spirit, right. which has to do with uh, indigenous people, yes. right, I think. So what do you think? Is this okay for a college as a public university supported by your tax dollars if you're Canadian? Canadian, right. Is it okay yeah. for them to basically say, you know, regular old-fashioned white men need not apply? Yeah. Uh,
2: look, this is uh, the underlying, you know, this goes to the same underlying concept that we, you know, are thinking about when we consider any affirmative action issue is choosing someone from a certain subset of our society that has historically been disadvantaged and is currently disadvantaged choosing them over other candidates okay in order to accomplish a broader goal right does this end justify uh this mean and in my opinion in most circumstances yes changing the outcome in this moment is the only way to right the wrongs of history and of our current society. And a
1: lot of people are uncomfortable, though, with the explicit uh, racial angle. Certainly, they'd be uncomfortable with quotas, but even uh, an explicit inclusion of that factor. Instead, a lot of people are saying, well, why can't we just go with economic uh, problems? I mean, if a a black kid has a 3.99 average and he worked two jobs, Mm -hmm. you know, 60 hours a week while getting his 3.99, and the white kid who comes from a billionaire's family got a 4.0, Shouldn't we let the the black kid in? And a lot of people say uh, in a heartbeat, yeah. But can we go based on economics and not strictly race? I think. And, and let me let me lay a, a survey on you. That was a little surprising to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pew Research Center did a poll recently, uh, just a month or so ago. They asked ten thousand respondents. Uh, what factors should matter for college admissions? And in a landslide, they favored academic achievement over race and gender. 93% of respondents said high school grades should count toward college admissions. Some people are saying that they shouldn't. 61% say they should be the major factor. Nearly 4 in 10 said standardized tests should be a major factor. At least 85% said a minor factor. A lot of people are saying these are racist things. 304 said... Race or ethnicity should not be a factor in admissions. And that includes 59 percent of blacks, 68 percent of Hispanics, 63 percent of Asians, even 62 percent of Democrats said race, ethnicity should not be a factor. And you're seeing in Washington state and even in deep blue California, when the voters get a chance to vote on an initiative, even though they're sending and nothing but Democrats to the to the legislature. They're voting against affirmative action. Do you think that maybe just as judges get sort of pulled along by public opinion on other issues, that maybe uh, the judges are going to figure? You know, I think that people are kind of bored with uh, the idea of explicit race as uh, as a factor in affirmative action, and so maybe they're going to lean against it for that reason.
2: I mean, maybe, maybe that might be the outcome. Frankly, I think that all these public opinion polls and surveys and all this they're they're built they're they're built to say. Is this myth of American exceptionalism and American American egalitarianism, American uh, equality of opportunity, is this myth something that you like? Is it something you aspire towards? Is this the way you think the world should work? And a lot of people in response to those are saying, yeah, of course it is. But the issue is not how i want the world to work in a perfect world the issue is how do i change the world for the better in the current circumstances how do i fix what's wrong with society right here and now and so it'd be like asking people do you think in order to lower you know uh uh, traffic deaths we should lower the speed limit or you know make streets narrower or or something like that to, to lower traffic deaths a lot of people would probably say yeah but i'm out here saying No more cars, like trains, buses, save people's lives by having fewer people be in cars, right? Zoom out, big picture, think different. That is how you change society dramatically. And if you ask people, is society generally kind of good? Well, if you're doing well in society, which most people are, they're probably going to say, yeah. And this myth of American exceptionalism and egalitarianism seems great. And I want there to be equality of opportunity. And so if you offer people a survey question that says... Do you think it's possible that our society is good? A lot of them are going to go, yeah, let's let's make it good without listening to the experts who have for a century now said, hey, we've been trying to make it good and it's not working. How about we need to take some sort of action in an affirmative way to fix it? Those are the people I think you need to listen to.
1: So when we come back, our final topic, should Joe Biden be banning menthol cigarettes because they are popular among the black community? Stick with us. This is Too Many Lawyers. I'm Royal Oaks. And I'm Connor Oaks. So the FDA, Connor, is expected uh, in the next week or two to ban menthol cigarettes. And supporters of the ban say the tobacco industry is targeting black people, that menthol cigarettes apparently are much more popular in the black community than among other smokers. And, of course, it relates in a way to the debate about whether flavored cigarettes and vaping stuff should be legal, uh, whether or not Joe Camel and other animated kid-oriented ad yeah. campaign should be banned which they have been mm-hmm. but some people are saying well okay i get it we want to really discourage kids and so fine joe camel should go to prison but should we be saying to a an ethnic group we know best we, we, you you just like menthol too much. We're going to, uh, we're going to yeah. ban it. I is mean, this is nanny state paternalism gone yeah. wild. Yeah, Al, Al Sharpton uh, is gotten, has gotten into the fight. He's not so sure. He says, well, if a policeman sees a guy on the corner uh, smoking a cool, he's asking, uh, where'd you get that from? Is that going to lead to interaction? He's suggesting the push to legalize marijuana in the U.S. could directly conflict with the effort to ban menthol cigarettes. He says, that puts us in a very awkward position as ministers. Grandma can't smoke her Cools, but Jamal can smoke his weed. Uh, this again is a Sharpton talking. Yeah. He says that puts us in an awkward position that looks paradoxical. Uh, what do you think? Uh, government on the right track to uh, well, try to save lives uh, five or ten years down the road by yeah, banning I mean, menthols?
2: At step one in this is, is that is that banning menthol cigarettes is 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 sure much more they're much more popular uh, in the black community, but they're also very popular with teen teen smokers and smokers of all ages when they're getting started when they're just beginning to smoke because menthol is a cooling sensation agent that uh, that, that counteracts the harsh effect so that's of smoke. why they call it cool yeah, yeah. It, it counteracts the the, the harsh uh, smoke burn in your throat and that you know people don't like that and when they're just getting used to that as a new smoker it helps sort of ease them into the process the fact that tobacco companies have been very successful in marketing to certain subsets and marketing certain kinds of cigarettes, styles, flavors, sizes, brand names, whatever, to different groups because they know, well... I can't sell the same product to everybody. I want people to feel like this is my beer. I want those people to feel like this is my cigarette. This is for me. And to really capture unexplored markets and really you know, get people have brand attachment. They've done that with all the different types and chi- sizes and shapes and flavors. Mm-hmm. And it happens to be that tobacco companies have sold and marketed very heavily to black people menthol cigarettes. It's not. A coincidence. It's not random. It's not magic. It's very unlikely that black people happen to like mint more than uh, white people. It's just a matter of advertising. And so now, on the back end, we say, "Well, these are the cigarettes that 85% of black people uh, in America smoke," which it looks like is the case. Um, Therefore, we shouldn't ban them. That's the backwards way to think it in my, uh, about it in my mind. You should think about what uh, what Al Sharpton's thinking about the impact when you're banning something that black people traditionally or or currently use. You should think about what well, the impact is, what the impact on that is going to be. Is that going to mean a harsher law enforcement crackdown on those people? And there, is that worth you know, avoiding this uh, or changing it to target you know teen smokers more specifically in another way for some reason? Sure, absolutely. But big picture, targeting a, a product that has been advertised to a group uh, is – is, I don't think, an issue. I don't, I, these aren't black people's cigarettes. These are cigarettes that have been advertised to black people, and we have to think about it that way. And this is a public health ban that is going to save lives, millions of lives. Cigarettes are still the most common the, the most common cause of preventable death in America. It's still going to save millions of lives if we banned this kind of cigarettes, or any other kind of cigarettes, or restrict their use in any other way. On the other hand, there is a side of me that says, uh, what about the whole prohibition doesn't work thing? Like, Drug prohibition doesn't work. Cigarette prohibition, alcohol prohibition, they don't work. Generally, adults have to make bad choices and you should spend your money doing things other than trying to ban dangerous substances so that they don't get into people's hands. You should spend that money in education about the health effects of this stuff so that people can make better, more, you know, uh, informed, better informed choices instead, uh, instead of trying to, you know, ban and control things because, yeah. Law enforcement is the wrong vehicle for that. I Law enforcement idea. kills people.
1: I have an idea. Ban Cools okay. and instead give away marijuana cigarettes. I don't think people are going to ch- really mind. Uh, yeah, yeah. We They're going to be just real happy with, with the new plan. Response. Absolutely. I'm on board. Yeah. All so right. Nice. Are you on board with America's favorite game show? I guess the verdict, Always. Connor? Let's All do right. it. So I give Connor the facts of a real life case, which uh, we're, we're dubbing today Otis of Mayberry Goes Wild. And you get to guess the outcome of the case. Are you ready? Yep. All right. Ed Cox Stewart. A real-life version of Great Otis of Otis from Mayberry RFD has been arrested over 600 times in Greenwood, Mississippi, for public drunkenness. <laughs> Always spending a day or two in jail and being released, just like lovable Otis in the Andy Griffith show. What a name. Adcock Stewart. Awesome. Finally, the judge gets fed up, and he sentences Adcock Stewart to eight months in jail. Adcock picks up his chair and throws it at the judge. The Bailiff the Bailiff says he just went wild. Uh so how do you think I know this this seems like it's not challenging it's to like you. Shut but who won and to make it more interesting you can get bonus uh points if you if you do guess that he was convicted. I'm not saying you're going Hypothetically, to. authentically yeah. You get to guess how much time in jail so he So how got. much time did he have uh, for public drunkenness? Uh, I don't know, six hundred times a day or two in jail each time. Yeah,
2: but this time. last conviction, he was there, you know, being sent to to jail. Was he was he being sent to jail for a, a day or you know like overnight? It's, it's or,
1: always a, it's just a day or two. Okay, either. that's so the, two. that's before he I'm gonna picked up the chair and threw
2: it at the judge. I bet you get. Uh, Uh, 11 months, is my guess. 11 months for throwing a chair at a judge. I have before wanted to throw... No, I have not. But I've wanted to throw a chair at opposing counsel in front of a judge. That, I have been seized by that desire.
1: Well, we're going to give you a credit for that answer because it's so close and let me tell you how close it is he got one uh year in jail but it. but he also got that for destroying city property using public profanity and contempt of court sure yeah. so that kicks it up to yeah, a, a yeah, month so we're going to give absolutely. you credit good nice. guess in there thank it, you you know is it is it legal can we say adcock stewart uh on <laughs> is the, the podcast? Is fcc gonna shut me down i got into a little trouble yesterday as a matter of fact did you i'm on kbc radio with john is phillips so, stories
2: stories that. Tell my friends?
1: Yeah, no, this is this is the warm up for the story. So yesterday I was on with John Phillips on KBC Radio. Uh, He does a fabulous job every Monday through Friday, noon to 3 on KBC, 790 AM in Los Angeles. And John uh, has me on to talk about the Jerry West situation. And we talked about it on the podcast last week. Jerry West, the former Lakers great, is not happy about being identified as a hothead alcoholic in HBO's winning time series all about the Lakers in the 1980s with Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. So not not only does the movie, it's a TV series, trash Jerry West's reputation, reputation. but also it goes after Magic Johnson and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Wow. And here's where I got into trouble with Randy Wang, who is the co-host of John's and show. And he runs the board. He's the sports guy. And, and he's the keeper of the, you know, the, 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 the big button, red button, the button, the dump button in case somebody says Leep. something naughty. Here's an exact quote from Kareem Abdul-Jabbar a uh, revered basketball icon whose quote was in all the papers yeah. okay and i simply repeated what was in all the papers sure. in 1971 here's oh, no here's what uh, kareem said a week ago when oh, okay. he was joining the campaign that jerry west launched yeah. he was complaining he said this show makes jerry west look like a crazed coach little mm-hmm. alliteration there yeah. he makes magic johnson look look like a sexual simpleton uh, More alliteration. alliteration. And now, Uh-oh. drum roll. Brrr, are you and ready for it? Me? And he makes me, Kareem Abdul Jabbar, look like a pompous prick. And as soon as I say it, yeah. I hear Randy say, can you say that on the radio? And I'm picking. Slam the big red button. Oh, come on, it's in the L.A. Times. Yeah, now, I got in trouble with Randy a few years ago when I was filling in for Doug McIntyre. I think. Uh huh. And I was talking about a TV show uh, that's uh, on a network that's not on cable after two a.m. Right, it's right, a right. show that's talked about all the time. Yeah. That won Emmys every year it was on. Is this Don't Trust the Bee? It's Shit's Creek. Oh, okay. Creek. I say Shit's Creek is. Quite a tv show isn't it randy and randy says i don't think you can say that on the radio come on
2: buddy it's not spelled the bad way it's spelled the good way and on the radio the audience should know that
1: yeah, for you'd, some, you'd in think some so. Way. You'd think so. Plus, <laughs> I don't think any children ever listen to me. Randy's just too happy with the button. He just oh, likes the button. He doesn't want the FCC to come calling. Yeah, uh, uh, Mr- that's his job. Mr. Wang, we'd like to speak with you. <laughs> All right, so now we come to the final segment. Stories I'd tell my friends if I had any. To clarify, I have several stories. And this story is about F. Lee Bailey, the famous lawyer uh, who was on the dream team for O.J. Simpson, uh, and uh, F. Lee Bailey and the Magic Stopwatch. So, Before O.J. Simpson, before Rodney King, before Michael Jackson's trials, there was a trial of the century in San Francisco in the 1970s. And I I just happened to be up there uh, on a job interview. I was, you know, probably seven or eight. I was like the Doogie Howser. Yeah, I'm sure. Anyway, I was uh, there for a job interview. And I sat in on a session of the trial uh, when legendary criminal defense lawyer, F. Bailey. Uh, was representing Patricia Hearst, the heiress of the her granddaughter of uh, William Randolph Hearst, who was the inspiration for Citizen Kane. And uh, people will remember the story. Uh, Patricia Hearst had been kidnapped by the Symbionese Liberation Army. Their goals were closing prisons, ending monogamy, eliminating capitalism. Nice. They insisted that uh, old man Hearst give millions of dollars in food to the poor or they would kill Patty Hearst. Reasonable. So over a <laughs> (laughs) several months (laughs) you're such a funny guy (laughs) over several months she she took part in bank robberies and it was hard to know if you know she went along with it was she being coerced one picture showed her with a gun possibly she could have escaped during these uh, forays into the bank robbery world but she didn't finally they catch her uh, they're convinced the prosecutors, she was in on it. You know, it was the Stockholm syndrome. She, she turned. So they put her on trial for bank robbery and granddad or, or her dad, uh, hires F Lee Bailey. So I'm in the courtroom. It's a huge high ceiling, beautiful federal courthouse there on, uh, on the golden gate in, in San Francisco. And, uh, I'm watching F Lee Bailey cross examine a witness. Whose credibility Bailey was trying to undermine. This is a this is a formative experience for a young lawyer. Absolutely, sure. here's a giant of the yeah. profession. Uh, he was like the the lawyer of uh, of the century. Uh, he uh, represented uh, Sam Shepard, the doctor who was accused of uh, murdering his wife, and and Bailey got the conviction tossed out because of excessive publicity. He represented, I think, Captain Medina, who was a uh, uh, higher up in the My Lai massacre when Lieutenant Callie uh, ordered his soldiers to. Kill a bunch of civilians in Vietnam, and a lot of other cases, and then, of course, leading up to uh, uh, F. Lee Bailey being on the dream team for O. J. Simpson. Anyway, now we're in the '70s. Bailey is cross-examining a witness, trying to to get Patty Hearst off. He's trying to destroy the credibility of the witness, and Bailey. Uh, had said that a certain period of time had passed when Hearst was in the bank robbery. It was it was important uh, whether this guy witness's estimate of the passenger time was accurate. So F. Lee Bailey whips out a stopwatch, mm, and he holds it up, and he says to the witness, Sir, I'm going to start this stopwatch in a second. I'll tell you when I start it. When 40 seconds have elapsed, I want you to yell out, Stop! Is that a deal? You understand? 40 seconds? Yes, yes, Mr. Bailey, that's fine. So." Click, he starts it. Two minutes and thirty-five seconds later, <laughs> the guy yells Stop. <laughs> Bailey had totally decimated the guy's Incredible. ability. It was better than in my cousin Vinny yeah. when the elderly lady with the glasses. The glasses yeah, and the Joe Pesci glasses. Dear, would you like you would you like to wear your glasses to, to see what's at the yeah. other end of the of the courtroom? Incredible. So now that's the good news for Bailey. The bad news is Patty was convicted, right, and uh, the Hearst family blamed uh, Bailey. The good news for her, ultimately, President Carter pardoned her. Not bad. Had nothing to do, I'm sure, with the massive donations from the Hearst family to uh, uh, President Carter. Probably, totally, probably, totally probably irrelevant. Not, probably not. Yeah. So that was a <laughs> that was a pretty, for, as you say, a formative experience yeah. for a guy who's about to embark on a legal career, Teeny, to, tiny
2: baby lawyer, dad. to
1: see yeah. F. Lee Bailey, who, by the way, was wearing a bright pink shirt. Ooh. Yeah. It, in the 70s, you could get away with wearing a bright pink shirt. Yeah. Not so much this time. All right. That is it for Too Many Lawyers. Everybody has a great week, I hope, and we'll see you next time. Okay.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast.